In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Deus in adjutorium meum intende, Domine ad adjuvandum me, Christina. Incline unto my aid, O God, O Lord, make haste to help me. These words, which form the introit today of the Mass, are known to all priests and religious because they are recited many times throughout the day and night part of the prescribed prayers of the Church, the public prayer of the Church, which is known as the Divine Office. Their meaning today, their immediate meaning, the reason they are placed in the Mass today, I hope is not lost on anyone. For if we read today's Gospel, we understand that this is the cry of that man going down to Jericho, was fallen in among robbers and been left half dead. He is not left totally dead, which is why he is still able to cry out in the words of the psalmist, Incline to my aid, O God, O Lord, make haste to help me. In past years I have expounded at length on the meaning of this parable, especially in relation to the Catholic doctrine of grace. I will review that briefly now, if you wish to examine in more detail the different senses of Scripture and how they apply to this magnificent parable today, you are free to go back and listen to my sermon in past years. To review, though, we are reminded today that grace is a supernatural gift freely given by God to a rational creature in order to obtain eternal life. St. Francis de Sales describes grace as nothing more than the love of God when it comes into contact with the soul. It is a quality which implants itself in the soul, causes a real change in that soul. And the first and principal benefit which grace brings to a soul is justification, which the Council of Trent defines, quoting St. Paul, as the transfer of a soul from the powers of darkness to the kingdom of Christ. We know that grace is the one thing absolutely necessary for eternal life, so that someone who leaves this world with grace certainly goes to heaven, or perhaps by way of purgatory. And someone who leaves this world without grace certainly does not go to heaven. The introit of today's Mass then reminds us that only the Catholic interpretation of this parable can be the true one. For the Calvinist, the man going down to Jericho is left totally dead, unable even to cry out to God. Grace then cannot heal a dead man, 
It simply covers his sin. No longer counts him as a sinner. Grace simply controls man like an inanimate object. For the heresy on the other extreme, the one which was known in ancient times as the Pelagian heresy, which, which today could simply be called the liberal or modernist heresy, the man who falls among robbers is not dead at all. It would be extreme even to call him half-dead, as the Gospel does. No, he is just lonely and in need of a friend. Therefore, the introit of today's Mass is excessive. He doesn't need to cry out to God, Lord, make haste to help me. He simply is looking for a friend to accompany him on the way to heaven. And our Lord Jesus Christ is that good Samaritan, that friend who comes to walk with him on that way. No, the Catholic doctrine is in the middle of these two extremes. This man is not totally dead. Man is a creature created in God's image. He is good and beautiful. He has been disfigured by sin. He has been mortally wounded by sin. Which means that although he is still alive, if he does not get divine help, he will die eternal death. Not only then is grace absolutely necessary for our salvation, it is a revealed doctrine that we cannot even take the first step toward God without grace. Nor can we perform even one holy and good work. As our Lord said to his disciples, without me, you can do nothing. Our Lord is that good Samaritan in today's Gospel who takes this man and fills his, wine, fills his wounds after washing them with wine and oil. That is to say, after giving him the first grace of the sacraments by baptism, then nourishes him with all the sacraments, with extreme unction, with confirmation, with the Blessed Eucharist, and then takes him to the inn, that is, to the church, and entrusts him to the innkeeper, to the hierarchy of the church, giving him two coins, giving to the innkeeper two coins, that is the twofold commandment we hear of today, love of God and love of neighbor, promising the innkeeper that he will repay him when he returns, that is, when our Lord returns as our judge at the end of time. The Gospel which tells us that we could never be delivered from this state of ruin on the way to Jericho without grace also teaches us that every man is given sufficient grace for his salvation. The Apostle tells us today we are not sufficient to think anything of ourselves, as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. In the last Gospel of the Mass, the first chapter of St. John, which we recite every day at Mass, we are told 
that Christ is the true light who enlightens every man who comes into the world. Yes, every man receives sufficient grace for his salvation. We all have grace enough at least to recognize our nothingness and ask for God's help. We can pray, but even praying, as we see then, requires grace. The Apostle says no one can proclaim that Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And we know not how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself asks for us with unspeakable groaning. This is why our most ancient fathers in the faith, in a tradition of which we cannot even trace the beginning, would begin all their prayers and good works with this very verse of the psalm which begins the Mass today. Deus in adjutorium eum intende, Domine ad adjuvandum e festina. O God, come to my aid. O Lord, make haste to help me. The priests, the religious clergy of Holy Mother Church rise seven times a day to give praise to God in the divine office. And in each of those hours, we must begin by employing the divine assistance with these very words. O God, come to my aid. O Lord, make haste to help me. One of our fathers in the faith who inspired our dear St. Benedict so much, St. Cassian, records for us the teachings of the desert fathers, those first fathers who fled into solitude after the age of martyrs, seeing that this world which now made peace with the Church was corrupting its way, sought solitude, sought a life of prayer and contemplation in the great desert of Egypt. And he tells us of this tradition, which already reigned in those times, of beginning all our prayers, all our works, all our recreations, our rest, our labors, our sorrows, our joys, with this verse of the psalm. He tells us, for keeping up continual recollection of God, this pious formula is ever to be set before you. O God, come to my aid. O Lord, make haste to help me. For this verse has not unreasonably been picked out from the whole of Scripture for this purpose. For it embraces all the feelings which can be implanted in human nature and can be fitly and satisfactorily adapted to every condition and all assaults. Since it contains an invocation of God against every danger, it contains humble and pious confession. It contains the watchfulness of anxiety and continual fear. It contains the thought of one's own weakness, confidence in the answer, and the assurance of a present and every ready help. For one who is constantly calling on his protector, it's certain that he is always at hand. It contains the glow of love and charity. It contains a view of the plot and a dread of the enemy, from which one who sees himself day and night hemmed in by them, confesses that he cannot be set free without the aid of his defender. 
This verse is an impregnable wall for all who are laboring under the attacks of demons, as well as the impenetrable coat of mail and a strong shield. It does not allow those who are in a state of moroseness and anxiety of mind, or depressed by sadness and all kinds of thoughts of despair, a saving remedy, as it shows that he who is invoked is ever looking on at our struggles and is not far from his suppliant. It warns us, whose lot is spiritual success and delight of heart, that we ought not to be at all elated or puffed up by our happy condition, which assures us that it cannot last without God as our protector, while I implores him, not only always but even speedily, to help us. This verse, I say, will be found helpful and useful to every one of us, in whatever condition we may be. For one who always and in all matters wants to be helped shows that he needs the assistance of God, not only in sorrowful or hard matters, but also equally in prosperous and happy ones, that he may be delivered from the one and also made to continue in the other, as he knows that in both of them human weakness is unable to endure without his assistance. We must then ceaselessly and continuously pour forth the prayer of this verse in adversity that we may be delivered, in prosperity that we may be preserved and not puffed up. Let the thought of this verse, I tell you, be pondered in your breast without ceasing. Whatever work you are doing, office you are holding, journey you are going, do not cease to chance it. When you go to bed, eating, and the necessities of nature, think on this. This thought in your heart may be to you a saving formula, not only keep you unharmed by all attacks of devils, but also purify you from all faults and earthly stains, lead you to that invisible and celestial contemplation, and carry you on to that ineffable glow of prayer, of which so few have any experience. Recognizing then our nothingness before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who, who rescues us, half dead as we are from this valley on the way to Jericho, and delivers us into the kingdom of his love. Let us entrust all to him and say without ceasing throughout the day, O God, come to my aid. O Lord, make haste to help me. Amen.